day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. We're praying this morning and uh, I was reminded of that um, verse in, uh, I think it's Revelation 2.26, where... um, He's talking to the one of the churches and he says, um, To him who overcomes and who does my will, I will give authority and power over the nations. And um, I really felt to pray, we were praying for our team, I really felt to to pray these two things. One is, is, where is your confidence? And two, where is your desire? And um, and I really believe that God is, he's challenging us all to have our confidence in him. And he's challenging us to have our desire to be for his will. Because the two things, you know, it says in Hebrews, it says, do not give, do not give your confidence away. See, sometimes we think that our confidence gets robbed from us or the enemy comes and robs it. He, God says, do not give it away. It's yours. It's, it's yours to decide what you will do with it. And he's saying he wants us to be people of confidence. And that only ever works when our 100% confidence is in him. And our 100% desire is that His will will be done. And I just want to challenge you on that today. Let me just pray for you before we get on with our message. Father, we just resolve in our hearts right now, Father, to live according to Your will. Father. We resolve in our hearts, Father, to have our confidence securely attached to the grace of the cross and the freedom of our salvation, Lord. So Lord, we choose right now to submit ourselves to you and your ways and to your truth. Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts to receive revelation from heaven today. Lord, may the words of man drop to the floor and may the revelation of heaven pierce our hearts. We declare that you alone are worthy of our praise. We submit our lives to you afresh in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we were speaking about resolve last week and... um, we talked about uh, the people of Israel rebuilding the temple um, after they were in captivity, and and um, you know they were that, and they they struggled once they came under the the, um, the negative words of the naysayers, and then it took the prophetic community to encourage them to get back on track again. And um, it's it's a great picture of community, isn't it? Because when we walk through things, when we walk through um, life, we've got these desires. Like I love I love Rich's desire to. Um, to, to think about the education of our youth. And uh, to me, you know, it's uh, our, our desire, you know, Ben and I talk about this a lot, that we want to see these 17-year-olds leaving school knowing exactly who they are and exactly where they're going. And, it, it's, and so to me, when I hear someone's, God plants the seed of education on someone's heart, I say, this is the discussion that we need to encourage. This is, you know, I love, I was saying to Rich the other day, the Apostle Paul he, he sat in the hall of Tyrannus and spoke with people for two years about the gospel. And I think God calls us, you know, he calls us and he plants seeds in our hearts to open a discussion. And he wants us to resolve in our hearts to commit ourselves to the seed that's in us and allow him to develop it, not only through the, the leading of his spirit, but in the sharpening of each other, which is called community. So I encourage you to, to have the conversation. Have a conversation about the future generations. You know, like Kristen said, isn't it amazing when someone like Jody and Sean commit themselves to a generation? 
Because God, for all of us, God's in the process of reparenting us, isn't He? Sometimes we we um, we didn't, you know. Paul, the Apostle Paul says you had you have uh, many teachers. In fact, he says you have ten thousand teachers in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. And it's important. Then what fathers do is they don't give you information; they actually point you in the direction of your future, of inheritance. They create inheritance. So I encourage you, encourage you to to participate in the conversation. See, we're all created beings. We're all created to be relational beings. So, and um, we all have we all have different relational needs. Some of us, you know, some of us. Um, some of us, you've heard the five languages, physical touch, gifts, of gifts, acts of service, all the different ones that um, that, that legend of the faith wrote about. And uh, so we all have varying and different needs, and he's called us to live in community because it's in community that all those needs get um, get answered and get and we get we get we grow in that space. Because if we only live in one need, we don't get sharpened in other ways. Sometimes God allows us to go through challenges so he can sharpen us in areas to develop so that we can be all that we can be. See, we were never meant to live in a state of functional isolation. One of the biggest challenges that we have in relationships is that we fear the weakness in each other. See, we've all got weaknesses. And your weakness couldn't hurt me. Your weakness can hurt me. And my weakness can hurt you. And when I live in fear of your weakness and you live in fear of mine, we end up living in isolation. Do you know that God is not afraid of your weakness? He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of my weakness. And he's called us to live that same way and not be afraid of each other's weaknesses. Because it's, it's as we live together that our weaknesses get sh- get rubbed off those sharp edges get rubbed off and then we can become strong we become mighty and we can become influencers and then we don't just give our confidence away see what robs us of our confidence is when we when we succumb to the weaknesses of others or we succumb to the weaknesses of ourselves see it's a choice to give your confidence away and god says no be be do not give your confidence away because there is a reward in it there's a reward in your confidence so what I want to do is I want to have a look at Jesus' last prayer in John 17. Turn your Bible to John 17, verse 20. Like any loving father, God dreams about the things that will make our lives great. He dreams about the things that will make his kids happy and satisfied and fulfilled and live abundant lives. Part of, our, of God's heart and our subject today is authentic community. Let's look at Christ's prayer before he goes to the cross. You know, it's it's interesting someone's last kind of someone's last prayer is quite significant because you know, it's like someone's final words is they really declare what's on their heart. But there's nothing to lose here, so I want to tell you what's on my heart. And Jesus, you know, when people face death, they generally reveal their deepest passions and their hopes and their desires for you when they go. So let's start at verse 20. I pray for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. 
Jesus' primary concern seems to be the, the depth of our relationship, our depth of our relationship that we have with each other. See, he's, he wants us to have this great relationship with him, but his prayer right then was that we would have a great relationship with each other. He wants to, us to experience the exact same quality of relationship with each other that he has with his father. This is his desire for us. Then he goes on, he says, And the glory which you gave me and I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. He's called us to be one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you love me. True significance cannot be found alone. True significance cannot be found by yourself. You cannot find it worshipping, praying on your own. You cannot find it by yourself. You find it in authentic community. He's called us to be a people. There's no self-made people in the kingdom of heaven. Now we sang that song, Emmanuel, today. Emmanuel means God with us. It's important that we understand that we are an us. That we are not. It's not Emmanuel, God with me. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Because everywhere God speaks in his word, he's always talking to the people of God. He's not talking to individuals, he's talking to people. And he's he's trying to to help us to understand that we will grow and we will understand our significance in humanity when we begin to see ourselves as part of an us and not alone. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also... Whom you gave, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. A righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these disciples have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you, get, which you love me may be in them, and I in them. See, the key to, to the key to community, the key to understanding the relationships with the people that you're that you're that you're living life with, is these three letters: T, U, A. Total, unconditional acceptance. See, Jesus says, he, you know, like Rich said this morning, you know, He knew us before we were even formed in the womb. He accepted you before you were even formed. And he wants you to know that you're totally, unconditionally accepted. And this is so significant when it comes to living life in community because it puts everything in perspective. It's important that you know that he has total, unconditional acceptance of you so you don't beat yourself up when you do something silly. When you don't beat yourself up when you feel or experience one of your weaknesses. And it's important that you know that he has total, unconditional acceptance of those around you so you don't beat them up for their weaknesses. See, I have a lot more grace for myself than I do for any of you. I don't want it to be like that, but that's the selfishness in me. And he wants us to understand that he has this total, unconditional acceptance for you and for for myself. And he wants us to understand that because if I understand it for myself, I can become all that he's called me to become. And if, and if I understand it in you, I can help you become all that he's called you to become. 
And instead of being afraid of each other's weaknesses, we can grow together and become an us and influence together. See, we can't do it alone. Rich's dream for a school, he can't do it alone. He needs to know that we know that he's totally, unconditionally accepted by God. Because God plants seeds and it's important for us to encourage each other in those things. We don't know where God's going to lead these things. We don't know where God's going to take all the different, um, all the different things that are on each of the hearts of his people. But we can encourage each other, can't we? And we can lift each other up and we can remind each other, don't worry, don't worry because you are totally, unconditionally accepted by your Heavenly Father and in Him all things are possible. See, grace builds in you a state of esteem. See, we need esteem to be able to go. We need a confidence. He, said, he says in Hebrews, don't give up your confidence. Don't give away your confidence. We need an esteem and it needs to be in Him because if it's in anyone else other than Him, we will give it away. If my confidence is in myself, every time I make a mistake, I will give my confidence away. If my confidence is in you, every time you're not there, I will give my confidence away. My confidence and my esteem needs to be with Him. And when I understand that I'm totally, unconditionally accepted by my Heavenly Father, I have an esteem. He builds up an esteem in me. And He also does this. He brings a suspension of judgment. When I understand that you are totally, unconditionally accepted, I no longer judge you. You ever notice when, when someone shares their testimony and you always thought they were a painful soul? And, um, but when you hear their testimony and hear that the journey that God's taken them on, you have a new measure of grace for that person, don't you? And God wants you to know, God wants, you know, he says we overcome, you know, by the blood of the Lamb, by the power of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. You know, we, he, wants, he wants us to, as we get to know each other, we actually get to see the journey of people embracing God's unconditional acceptance. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to be able to live in community. He wants us to, to be able to utilize 100% of our gifts in his will that will give us 100% satisfaction. See, you can use 100% of your gift but if you use it for selfish reasons, then you'll never be satisfied. But if you use 100% of your gift for a purpose that is, that is kingdom-minded, then you will go, now that is abundant life. I know what Jesus was talking about now. You know, we, we, get, we have these amazing gifts and talents that he puts on us. And when we focus them on the direction of ourselves, we're never there. We're always striving, striving, striving. But when we focus 100% of our talent in the purpose of the kingdom of God, then we understand what a life of abundance is. So what is this? You know, he, he says, look, he says, I want you guys to love each other. I want you guys to experience oneness with, with each other the way I experience it with my heavenly Father. So what does this relationship look like? How do the Father and the Son and the Spirit relate to each other? I'm just going to give you five quick things. First one, they work together. Genesis 1 says, let us create mankind in our image. Let us create mankind in our image. See, he wants us to know that they are always working together. 
Jesus says, my father is at work and I am at work. They're always working together. He wants us to innovate and create and develop. How does he want us to do it? He wants us to do it together. Because as we do it together, you know, it says in Proverbs, a king doesn't go to war unless he has wise counsel. And there's a battle on, and it's the battle for the hearts of mankind. It's the battle for your heart and for my heart. And he wants us to, to, to do it together, because when we do it together, I can intercede on your behalf, and you can intercede on my behalf. And when we do that together, we see amazing things created. The second thing is that they encourage one another. In Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. One of the greatest gifts you can give each other is the gift of encouragement. To encourage, to give courage to keep going. It's not just a pat on the back. A pat on the back saying, I believe in you, I encourage you, that helps them retain their confidence. You know, it says, in, it says in Hebrews, do not give up your confidence. Do not give away your confidence. But he, sometimes we need someone to, to remind us that we're on track, that we're doing the right thing, that we're heading in the right direction. The third thing, they supported one another. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So you can't do it alone. We need the support of one another. And he's modeled that beautifully with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You know, he created us. And then, and then, he, then he supported us by sending his Son to die on the cross and intercede for us. And then he sent his spirit to keep reminding us of, of who he is and what he's done so that we can have our confidence remain in one thing, in the grace, in the grace of the cross. And they deferred to one another too, didn't they? Jesus speaking to his disciples in John 14 said this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. They're always deferring to each other, aren't they? Jesus says, I do what I see my Father doing. Jesus says, there's a helper coming who will remind you of these things. God sent his Son. See, there's always a sharing. And when we share it, when we, when we give each other the opportunity to carry our message for us. One of, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that we have these days is will someone else carry the message for you as well as you can carry it yourself? There's a trust, isn't there? Will you trust someone else to deliver the message for you? Will you trust someone else to carry your message, to carry your vision with you? We, we see it in the political realms when in the campaigning is one, uh, one crazy one crazy candidate out in the middle of nowhere that represents a party will say some crazy statement. And then the party's in cleanup mode after that because he's taken the message and he's just, you know, one step forward, three steps backwards because of one crazy statement. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to risk trusting each other. He wants us to risk trusting each other with what's on our heart. And when we risk trusting each other with what's on our heart, 
Here's the challenge. Tread lightly. Tread lightly when you carry someone else's vision. You know, when you're having a chat with Rich about the school, tread lightly because you're speaking to his heart. This is a seed God's planted in his heart. And with there's seeds in all of your hearts, and God wants to encourage those seeds and they grow. And we don't know what those seeds are going to grow into sometimes. We know that it's, we know that it's a fruit tree, see, but we don't know what kind of fruit's going to grow out of it yet, do we? So what we need to do is we need to nurture these seeds. We need to water them. We need to have good soil around them. We need the Word of God richly around them. And then we'll see what God produces. We'll see the fruit that produces. And the, when, we, when we're rooted and grounded in the love of God and the love of each other, we, we bear beautiful spiritual fruit. See, like Rakella said today, our battle is a spiritual battle. And we need to overcome spiritually before we can overcome naturally. And that's why Jesus says, I want you to have a love for one another as I have for my father. Number five, they lift each other up. Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. They're also always lifting each other up. They're always talking about what each other were doing. I only do what I see the Father doing. They're sending a helper to remind you of these things. There's a mutual admiration, a selflessness, a servanthood, a support, breathing life into each other. This is what God does. He breathes life. When he created us in his image, he breathed life into us. Authentic community is life-giving. And we're in a relationship with the author of life. So he wants us to live the way he lived. Because where the Spirit is, if the Spirit of God is in you, liberty follows you. Freedom follows you. So when you speak into each other's life, when you speak to those seeds in each other's life, you're speaking freedom and liberty to that so that it can blossom and it can grow. God wants you to experience relationships that make your heart come alive. Verse 21, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. See, Jesus is saying that the credibility of his life and his message in the eyes of the unbeliever, is completely dependent upon the way we relate to one another. What an amazing challenge he's given us. He's saying that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The way that we become one is the greatest evangelistic tool that we can ever have. When we become one, when we understand what it means to love and encourage and to nurture and to grow and to sharpen and to challenge and to exhort and to, and to bring wisdom and to, to, to speak prophetically and to, and to send apostolically, you know, when we understand these things and when we live according to these ways, people will know that Jesus came and was sent by God. That's how they know. Salvation reunites us with the most authentic relationship possible. And this is the key. The key is where is your confidence? 
See, when my confidence is in myself, then you are in my way. When my confidence is in you, then I am nothing. When my confidence is in him, we are the people of God and can influence a society in his name. There was a, a Christian philosopher, Francis Schaeffer, said this, our relationship with each other is the criterion the, word, the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. See, all of us have a built-in need to connect meaningfully with people. We crave it. We crave it with all that we are. We crave meaningful connection with all that we are. And it's in community that God intended us to experience life. That's why he always speaks to a people. That's always why he's reminding us that it's a, it's, he named his son Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. See, we don't need more meetings to attend to. We don't need more, more events to, to be part of. What we need is the life-giving benefits that occur when people connect regularly and with sincerity and with honesty. Community provides to our souls what air provides to our lungs. The challenge is, is we can get away for a while without it, and we tend to do it. But we were not meant to live in isolation. We were meant to live in community. And sometimes the bumping and the, and the, and the, the, rough, the rough and tumble that comes with community is an opportunity for God to enlarge our hearts and to strengthen us and to prepare us to carry more of his glory, to carry more of his provision to, to, to give out to the community. There's a, there's a pastor named Randy Frazee who says this. He says, The development of meaningful relationships where every member carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what it means to be the church. The church of God is God-ordained gathering of people that is becoming so strong that not even the gates of hell can prevail. There's a, there's a, um, there was a great movie in the 80s and um, it was a racing car movie and uh, I think it was called Beyond Thunder or had Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in. I think it might be where they met. And there was a line in that movie that said, one of the racing drivers who was all upset because he was, he was a great driver, but when they stuck him on a track with other drivers, everything went wrong. If he was on his own on a track, he could do amazing times. But when he got on the track with everyone else, he ended up having a crash in the second, in the second um, lap. And one of the drivers said to him one day, he says, look, mate, rubbing is racing. And this is a key part of understanding community. Some, we, love, we love the nurture of community, but we don't like the rubbing of community. And here's the challenge. You know, we see it in marriage. You know, we, Chris and I have been um, rubbing each other the wrong way for 13 years. And um, now we're starting to rub each other the right way. So we bump into each other, and instead of taking us off track, we bump into each other now and we, and we get back on track. Rubbing's racing church. And when you understand that, that um, that's a natural part of life, you actually get to see the positive side of it, don't you? We don't get offended anymore when we bump into each other. We, we, we go, Lord, shape me, mold me. What character lesson, what integrity lesson is there for me to learn here so that we can be, be a people who are, prepare, are, are being prepared to carry 
your grace and your truth so that the world may know who you are. See, will you partner with him to make a prayer his reality? A reality? See, we can't give eternal life, but we can create opportunities for people to choose eternal life. Opportunities are always created in authentic community. I know when I sit down with people, I'm sorry if this has been you, but I will sit down with people and have a conversation and I will all of a sudden sometimes get in a trance because I'm so inspired by the conversation, I'll feel God downloading ideas or messages or opportunities into me and I'll glaze over and I'll probably miss a couple of minutes of the conversation. I was telling the prophetic guys the other day. And so if I appear to glaze over while I'm talking to you, it's it's God speaking. So it's good. My eyes actually closed, then there's another, there's another situation. But what happens is, is, is interaction with each other is inspirational. Let us create mankind in our image. Let us invade our community together with the goodness of God. This is what he wants us to do. He wants us to understand that we're an us and, then, and that... Um, He's called us to be people who are collaborators. We're we're, we're making a mixtape here. We haven't got one artist. We're making a mixtape. Did anyone make a mixtape for their girlfriend back in the 80s? My wife was only six at the end of the 80s, so I didn't. But um, it probably wouldn't have been looked at too nicely by her parents. And... um, You know, this is what we're doing. We're creating collaborative effort to see our community safe. He's called us to understand these things. You know, there was a a psychophysicist called Howard Moskowitz. It's not the guy off the Big Bang Theory. It's psychophysicists basically just measure stuff. That's what they do. And uh, he reinvented um, spaghetti sauce. And um, have you ever heard of Campbell's Soup? Campbell's Soup makes spaghetti sauce. Anyway, they hired Howard to help create the perfect sauce, one that would inspire the taste buds of people all over the world. Now, it used to be that you would follow the Italian way, which is that spaghetti sauce would have good adherence to the spaghetti. It would sit on the top of the spaghetti beautifully and it would have good adherence. So, so when you picked up some spaghetti, the sauce would stick to each strand of the spaghetti. This is the key if you're an Italian. Now, he varied sauces, and he had 45 types of different sauce to test on people. And he ended up with three groups, plain, spicy, and chunky. These were the three types. Now, a third of all of the people who who were in the test group were inspired and loved the chunky sauce. Now, they went on in the next few years to make $600 million just from chunky sauce. Here's the bizarre thing. Previous to Campbell's Um, experiment, they actually sent um, um, uh, what do you, you know when you fill out a thing and it's the they sent surveys surveys out to people asking them what they would like their sauce to taste like and do you know what, not one person ever said chunky but a third of people actually loved something they didn't even know that they loved 
a third of people love chunky sauce and never even realized it. Here's the question. What do you love? What seeds in your heart that you don't even realize is in there until you dive into community and test and rub and try what each other are into? This is the thing. See, one of the keys to relationship and community is not to ask what people want, but just to test stuff out on each other. Just test out loving each other and encouraging each other and having a go at each other's things and talking about their things. Get in the discussion with someone else's heart. Invite people into the discussion of your heart and you might, some, you might find your business partner that, you've never, that you never realise existed. You may find some inspiration that you didn't even know you had. You might find a love for something that you didn't even realise existed. This is why he loves community. He says, love your neighbour as you love yourself. The only, the only condition or permission that we've got to love ourselves is in the context of loving our neighbour. He says, I give you permission to love yourself, but only so that you can love your neighbour better. So you're on mission. You're on mission to love yourself so that you can love your neighbour better. Keep that context, because if we forget the loving our neighbour, we end up in isolation, don't we? The scientist Howard would say that the mind does not know what the tongue wants. See, we tend to look at these universals in our relationships, don't we? Men like cars and sport. Women like diamonds and jewellery. Any ladies who don't like diamonds and jewellery? Look around, guys. Are there any of you guys single? They're gold. They're gold, these girls. No. This is the thing. You know, for the first few years of our marriage, I would buy Kristen all sorts of presents other than diamonds and gold. And she just happens to fit the um, stereotype problem. I lucked out there. But uh, what are the rules that govern our behavior? You know, when we look, see, when we look for the universals in life, in community, we're doing ourselves a massive disservice. When we look for the universals in education, we're doing ourselves a massive disservice. See, God wants us to know that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made and there's a diversity that he wants us to embrace. And the problem with the problem is, is that in each other's diversity, we need to find some community. That's why we need to make sure that our confidence is in Christ and our desire is that the will of God be done. And when we understand those two key things, then your difference doesn't offend me anymore. My weakness doesn't offend you anymore. And we can do all things. When we embrace the diversity of each other, then things, the pivotal, they become pivotal in, in the world. You know, our embracing of diversity makes, makes pivotal the, let me get this out right. You and I embracing each other's diversity is pivotal in the world, understanding and coming to know Christ as their saviour. See, God always treats every individual differently. Why doesn't the band jump up? Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. Joshua, he walked around Jericho. Moses went into the wilderness. David plays a harp and dances. Paul writes a letter. God wrestles with Jacob. He argues with Job. He whispers to Elijah. He warns Cain. He comforts Hagar. 
Gideon has a fleece. Peter gets a new name. Elisha gets a mantle. Jesus is stern with the rich young ruler. He's tender with the woman caught in adultery. He's patient with his disciples, gentle with children, gracious with the thief on the cross. God never grows two people the same way. He is a hand crafter, not a mass producer. So when we understand that we're community, we need to understand that we're not mass-produced. We're handcrafted by the king of all kings. So when you embrace each other, try to discover their hearts. Lord, give me discernment so that I can see the seeds that you've planted in the heart of my brother or sister, so that I can encourage them, so that I can help develop them. He wants us to experience the same quality of relationship with each other that he experiences with his heavenly Father. There's an authentic community for us to live in. See, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they enjoyed one another. They encouraged one another. They support one another. They love one another. They deferred to one another and they glorified one another. He's called us to live the same. He's called us to embrace the diversity of each other. Why don't you stand with me? Let me pray with you today. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you that you formed us, that you created us, that you said, let us create mankind in our image, Lord. So we thank you that because you created us in your image, we now are an us. We now are a a people who are the sons and daughters of the King of all kings, Father. So we choose today, Lord, we choose today to put our focus and our trust, Lord, on the things of heaven, Lord. We choose to align the desires of our hearts with the will of you, our Heavenly Father. And we choose to begin to see ourselves more and more as one, Lord. Lord, I ask for the hearts of every person in this house to be blessed today, Lord. So I speak courage. I speak favor. I speak repentance and forgiveness over each one of you. You are mighty in Jesus' name. You are mighty in Jesus' name, he says today. And you are mighty alone, but you are tenfold mighty when you live in community. So, Lord, we surrender ourselves to your grace afresh today. We lift up your name above every other name. We lift up the name of Jesus above our challenges. We lift the name of Jesus above our weaknesses. We lift up the name of Jesus above the weakness of the person next to us today, Father. Lord, we declare that you alone are the centerpiece, are the pivot that we live on, Lord. So we glorify your mighty name. And we declare, Father, today that we are one community in Jesus' name. You know, as we sing this last song, I, I, I think you know, one of the greatest things that we do is, um, to, that, that resembles this is to take communion. Because communion reminds us of what brings us all together here. And there's people meeting all over this, this planet of ours today who are worshipping, who are listening to messages, who are putting their tithe and offering in the bag and they're having a cup of tea after church or whatever they're doing, they're encouraging each other. But there's, only, there's, there's one thing that keeps us united as the body of Christ all over the world. And that's that Christ died on the cross for their sins 
He died on the cross for yours and he died on the cross for mine. And no matter what other bits and pieces that we differ in belief, there's this central unifying theme and it's the gospel of grace. And as you take that cup and as you eat that little piece of bread, this is what we're doing. We're reminding ourselves of where our confidence lies. We're reminding ourselves that our heart's desire needs to be in the will of the Father. So let's take communion now as we sing this song. Let me just say this to you before you come out. These are Jesus' words. The Master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink it, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until our until Jesus Christ returns. I just encourage you today to understand that your community. So what I'd love you to do is when you take your cup and when you take your piece of bread, go and swap it with someone else. Swap it with someone you haven't met before. And just bless them. Thank you, Lord. Let's see. Well, we pray you've been blessed by this message from Noosa Christian Outreach Church. For more information, please check out our website at www.noosacoc.org.au. See you soon.